So James, why don't you go ahead and tell us, like, the first thing that happened as as far as you ever hearing about the idea of you living in China, like yeah, from yeah. there, and then bring me through all the way the prequel and the sequel. I got you. Yeah. Uh, so basically, how it started is um, I, I used to live with uh, dad and Hong, right? And you know, I was taking like a leap year or two, and I just kind of drunk one day and walked downstairs for you know a quick snack, and I was going back to my room, and Hong was like, "Would you ever want to teach in China?" I was just like, "Yeah," you know. I was drunk. I was like, yeah, like, like that's never going to happen. And then one day, you know, I'm getting a passport. Next day, I'm on a plane going to China. And then next thing you know, I got a room in China. I'm, I'm teaching English for nine months. And then... Um, okay, well, let's back up. What town are you in? I think you pronounce it Hangzhou. Hangzhou? Something like that, yeah. And... It was near a bigger town, right? Like a, it was a two-hour two drive away from Wuhan. Wuhan. Okay. That's actually the place where the, the virus came from, right? Yes, and it you were is. two hours from there. Yep. That's wild, dude. <laughs> we'll get into that. That's wild. Later. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm teaching this job. It's been like nine months. And then I actually went and got mom a gift for Christmas the same day. Like during my lunch break, and then I come back, I start teaching a class. Halfway through that class, four undercover cops bust through the classroom door. Wow. Yeah. So I was 100% not ready for it. I just bought a gift for my mom. Like, <laughs> I was not in that zone. <laughs> yeah. My zone was, hey, like, can you let me my, finish my class first? But, you know, they can understand me. I can understand them. I had to, like, tell my assistant to say that shit. Like, I don't know what's happening here. They're yelling at me in a different language. Um, can we do this after class so I don't look like a murderer in front of these students? Like, <laughs> but not now that they forced me out of there, and then they forced me, uh, forced to bring me to to my um, crib. Then they f- forced me to let them inside, and then they get my passport, and then they bring me to the police station, and then I'm I'm there waiting outside the police station, handcuffs for like five minutes. And then three other foreign teachers with a school that we were partnering with gets brought. Uh, this dude from, a white dude from Africa, this, um, this seven foot white dude from, uh, Siberia, and then one dude from Madagascar. Whoa. And basically, we get investigated all night until like 2 a.m. and then they tell us leave go home like i if i if i you like pack a little um <laughs> you know um and come back and we'll finish the investigation in the morning so of course that night you know we all we we all went out and had a fucking beer too because we were like what the fuck just happened you know and then we go in the next day and um, basically, halfway through us being investigated some more, our our bosses kind of were like, "Hey, so um, what's probably about to happen is two of you 
are gonna go to jail like as collateral. Like they said that. That is, I make it, like they said that out loud. Like, <laughs> um, and and then of course being American, I was one of them. And the European from Siberia, I, I think he was European. Either way, um, was the other guy. He was like a fucking bodyguard, seven feet, jacked. So I, I wasn't totally terrified. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and. Basically, we get taken to jail in one of those classic police cars. The best thing about it, like five minutes before the police car pulled in while we were waiting outside, it started like pouring down rain, mm-hmm. like a fucking movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we looked at each other like, right, to tell me this ain't some movie shit. Um, gotta have com- uh, comedy in, in the <laughs> darkest of moments. But um, we we get taken to the... Chinese jail we get taken in they take take our mug shots basically and and this whole building every room every hallway you know like how the floors look in um, an unfinished basement that's how the whole place looks it's a whole unfinished jail like and we get in a room there's like they bring us to a room and uh there's like eight, ten other dudes, and you know we're we're white. We're we're in a city where like there's literally no other white people. Uh, the only other white person I've seen is the person that I went to jail with uh, for nine months. <laughs> so they're looking at us like a foreign snack. You know what I mean? Crazy eyes, tattoos all over the place, and. And we're in there for about 12 hours. We, we sleep a little that night. And then at this place, you got smoke breaks, right? And one of these, the cops, one of the guards that controls one of, or two of the rooms, uh, gained a liking to us and brought us to his room. And this room was like the worst room in, in the jail. Like with one dude, his whole entire back was burnt. Like red, the whole thing. Everyone else had like face tattoos, just look crazy as shit. And after we get put in that room, we have a smoke break. And uh, during that smoke break, everyone just smoking cigarettes. People off and on are going to talk to their visitors. I end up having a visitor. But when we get back to the room, so we take buckets from our room and use them when we go to the smoke break and we use them off for seats. And what what these motherfuckers do during uh, their smoke break is they'll slowly and slowly be sneaking cigarettes. One of them will sneak a lighter. So by the time they get back, they got like two packs of cigarettes in the room. And there's cameras on the room, right? Everywhere except for while you're shitting. So what they would do, and in China, they got the squatting toilet. So they would go to the toilet, Squat down, pull on their pants, just smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's wild. wild. It was pretty wild. And then that night passes by, and like I'm ba- I'm drifting off. I'm about to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, uh, the main uh, the guard for our room knocks on the door and tells us we're moving. 
and we start walking. Then I see the boss that we partnered with. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and he's, he said, I don't know. And I was just like, okay, uh, it's gonna be fun. I can tell. Uh, cause I just thought at first they're moving to another room for some fucking reason. They're just fucking with us. They're gonna move us. Like mm-hmm. every fucking day, because we're the American and the European, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but nah, they were taking us out, and so what had happened is our school and the school that we were partnered with ended up paying the police eighty thousand dollars in American money to let all the foreign teachers go back to their countries. Um. But we didn't know that yet. All we knew is we were leaving with the police and going to a hotel and at this hotel they split up me and the other European dude and we both had one of our bosses in each room and two cops in each room for the whole night and even like while I'm trying to sleep like uh, every time I open my eyes I see smoke in my face because the Chinese cops were smoking the whole time just sitting in the room like two feet away from the bed you know, the whole time, just smoking cigarettes. Every time I open my eyes, smoking my face, you know? And then the next day, uh, we are told, go back to your crib. Go go get all your shit. And, and basically, you got to leave soon. Um, they bring us to this place where basically they delete all records of us ever being arrested in China, ever being at the jail in China, and put both put a stamp on both of our passports saying, you got basically two uh, two days to get out of China before that, that jail is permanent. Ah, oh. and <laughs> Damn. so we both ordered plane rides, and then that night we both stayed at the same hotel, and like the cops knew where we were, like they were posted, you know, like like at the bottom of the hotel, they were posted the whole night there to make sure that we didn't leave. Like, and at one point, um, this this old Chinese cub and like clearly like a newbie, a rookie, shows up, and this this cop got like a shotgun on his waist, like he just and he's he's touching it while walking and talking to us in our room, like. Please, like, scary. Let me use this. Do something. Like, <laughs> that was the vibe I had. Oh, uh, yeah. And of course, we we're just like, nah. We just, we just gonna order food, and go sleep. You know what I'm saying? Uh we we're gonna order drinks with our food. But after that, we we're like, nah. Let's just order food. Um, uh, <laughs> we and me and the European dude ended up watching uh, Bert Kreischer's I'm the Machine that night. Oh, wow. while while like eating. The dude was a cool dude. I just started getting to know him before this happened, but uh, you know, we just chilled, watched I'm I'm the Machine, and ate some McDonald's or some shit. The next day, right, the cops show up to escort us all the way to the airport. So I was like in the back of a cop car for two hours going to the airport, um, and so his fight, the European dude's fight, was a lot earlier than mine. So they get him in, and that's good. And then the airport's like, "No, nah, I can't, I can't let him go in. It's way too early for his flight." And the cops are like, "Nah, you're fucking letting him in. Like, you're letting him in." Um. And then they force the airport to let me go in like four or five hours early. Mm-hmm. And but then they're like, "But we need, 
we need his passport. We need to hold on to it for some, I don't, I don't know what the reason was, but I was just like, as long as I'm out of these cops face, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and then I go to terminal and I wait and like people are starting the board and I don't have my passport back yet. And I let it go up to them and be like, Hey, uh, the front desk took my passport. I need one of y'all to go get that shit. Like, that's, I, I need to be on this flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, literally last, like, like 30 seconds before they're about to close that door to the plane, dude came back with my passport. I was just like, Lord. <laughs> Damn. Don't play. Uh, it, was, it was nerve-wracking. So, I was kind of curious, too, more about, like, um, the build-up. Like, I, I want to hear more about what it was like to teach in China, actually. Like, you told me. The teaching part was great. The rest was ass. But tell me what you liked about the teaching part. Like, tell me about me. Well, I, I, I loved, I loved teaching. Um, I feel feel like I'm helping a little when I'm teaching. But not just teaching in general. Like, what was it like to be the one white person in this entire town in China? Like, what was it like to be? Right? Didn't you say you felt like a celebrity or something? Uh, I don't know if celebrity is the right word. Um, it depends on who was looking at me. Kids, kids looked at you like Mickey Mouse, like a fantasy character, you know. Because everyone's there. Like, like I would, I would just be on my lunch break, uh, going into the mall, getting a bite to eat, sitting down, and like more than once, I would, I would have. Like Asian kids just just circling my table. Doing what? Just just running around me. Just just taunting you? No. Just giggling? Yeah, really. Singing a song? Not singing a song, just running around. Sacrificing you to the devil? What were they doing? (laughs) (laughs) No, just just running around the table. I don't I don't I don't know what they're saying. Um I don't know. And like, I get I get a lot of bad looks like on my way to work, mm-hmm. like every time. But what, uh, what you know, poverty? I'm I'm the outsider. What was the poverty like in China? A lot of homeless uh, people. Yeah, I walked out. I walked past a good 40, 50 homeless people on my way to work every day. And you got to be a good target on your back as far as yeah. I you know I was always ready. Yeah. No, yeah, I had to always be ready in a circumstance like that. What's it like to be in a country you don't know the language at all? It's hard. How'd you get around? How'd you function? Um, I I always had an app on my phone, basically, that translate anything if, like, there's any problems. The only really word I need to know was thank you. It, it, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's uh, she she. Probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, that's a thank you. Okay. And I would just say that anytime I I would point out a menu to order food, and say that that's it. Uh, all I could really do. So, if there wasn't a picture, I couldn't order it. <laughs> what was it like to teach Chinese kids specifically? Like not just teaching, but you said that you got very close with these kids and like even the parents would ask you to name them in English sometimes right oh <laughs> tell me about this connection and like- no yeah uh no that's just crazy um 
the fact that like they would actually ask me to give them like an American name. Mm-hmm. And I, I would usually just be like, okay, what does their name mean? And China, China, China. Um, and I take that meaning and just add a syllable two to it. Like, I named one Tanya. I forget what the meaning was, but because of it, the name was Tanya. Okay. You know? Name one Tom. Damn, so you named some kid after me? I don't know. You're Tommy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Thomas. Yeah. Uh My favorite, my favorite student was this, this dude, Leon. Man, was a savage. He gave off pimp, pimpish vibes at, like, eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was this one time, like, mid-class... And we were doing like a fun class for some reason. I was teaching a class with uh, the art teacher, who knows no English. Um, it's, I usually got two, uh, one of two assistants in the room who speak English and Chinese pretty well. But for some reason, we're doing some fun. I was doing it with the art teacher, and this twelve-year-old girl literally takes out a blade and just starts starts cutting herself in the middle of class. I'm trying to get him to understand, like, stop that shit, but he doesn't see it, doesn't understand what I'm saying, and it was just a whole thing, you know? Oh, my gosh. That was probably one of the hardest things I had to deal with, because I got to stop something, but no one knows what I'm saying, except for the students, because the students speak more English than that teacher, (laughs) and the teacher's looking at me like, what, what? I literally had to be like, bro, look at that shit, like... When he understood, he was like, oh, fuck. Like, and, and he ran over there immediately and stopped her. Like, and so. I can't, I can't be the American in China grabbing her arms and forcing her to. That just doesn't look good. Uh, just running over there doesn't look good. So did you go help? Did you get her help, though? Yeah. I, when the art teacher saw, he finally did something as one of the other teachers. So all the classes were on camera so that the parents could just chill downstairs and watch the whole time. And uh, so one of, I'm guessing one of the teachers noticed it before he did and started running up because she was in there like as he was trying to stop it. No, but that, that, that was a pretty wild day. What about like? Especially because like I did that when I was in high school and I regretted it every day. Just got scars. Uh, so it was weird having to stop it as a teacher. It's and like, like seeing it from some, like, yeah. Some other person. But someone that did it like eight years younger than I did, she was like 12. 12. Yeah. If your life is so bad that you're cutting yourself at 12, that's. That's dark. It's dark. Ah. Uh, what about, like, what are the differences? Only thing, I, only thing I worried about when I was 12 is try not to embarrass myself in front of girls doing laundry and maybe playing sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. World's different everywhere. Shit was crazy. So what are, like, the biggest differences between China and America of just... The color of the sky is not blue ever in China. It's always gray. 
Why? You don't you don't know you missed that until you're there long enough. Second you come back, you can actually like smell fresh air and you see blue sky. So much pollution or I I don't know, but I'll take it this far. One time I literally asked four students, Hey, what's what's the color of the sky? Without any hesitation they all said grey. So yeah, the sky's always gray over there. What about the story of your kids? Um, they tackled you one day. Oh yeah, um, now like all my students one day ganged up on me and tackled me. <laughs> I was just like Jesus Christ, what is happening right now? Uh, Asian kids just tackling. Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and we we were I forget why but we were doing like some like special like event or something I forget but you said I feel like you told me once that made you like emotional like it made you no yeah like I don't know man I I wasn't like completely teaching it was just kind of I was teaching but like I don't know they're kind of like kids to me you know it's like kind of babysitting too. It's kind of just like yeah. being like an entertainment. I, I kind of got close to them, and the last thing they saw was me being walked down in handcuffs mid class. What about um, some of these families that you made friends with, like at the convenience store and stuff? Like, talk about the friends or the acquaintances you had. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I got close to a family at the convenience store next to uh, where I live. <laughs> And, and I would go there all the time for dinner and just drink with them, eat dinner with them. What's a Chinese dinner like? Uh, everything in the middle. What does it mean? Um, crockpot, you know, uh, spicy. I don't know, it's really good. It's always Do they have really better good. Better food than America? Better food for sure. Uh, 100%. And also food that doesn't make you fatter every day, for sure, for sure. Um, the first four months, I, I I was eating the same amount I was eating in America and China, but I, I, I lost 40 pounds. Damn. Just by eating their food. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Their food tastes good as shit. And and it's way less fattening, like like a motherfucker. Uh Dude, American food is so bad. Like, there's so much. In, like, the same Bro, exact thing in, in a different country will have way less plus, ingredients. Plus, plus a couple of pounds of grease. Yeah. <laughs> well, would you go back? Yeah, if I had all the right paperwork. You would go back and teach there. Uh, I don't know, man. Um. It ain't really worth the risk. I make more now than when I was in China. But were you happier there? I did really enjoy it. It's just, it's just not worth the risk. But if there's not a risk of like getting deported, there, there's always a risk being a foreigner in any country. It doesn't matter. Yeah, what's up with that? So like, like you might have all the like, right paperwork, but you can still get in trouble. This could happen. That could happen. What do you think about the Chinese government? Are they good or bad? Are they evil or are they just? It's like a gray area. Uh, I don't know if it's a gray area. I think it's more of a dark area. But why? I don't know, man. Um, 
government controls people 100%. In what ways did you experience government control there? You couldn't use certain websites, right? You couldn't use... Yeah, no, yeah, you had to, like, um, buy a proxy to make make it so it's like you're using it from somewhere else so that you... I can even go on YouTube. Basically, like, from what I can tell, the Chinese people are not as free as we are. We have more freedoms over here. Is there any other ways that you experience... They're definitely more united, though. Yeah, but that's... They're more united because they're more brainwashed under the same propaganda. I wouldn't say brainwashed. I would say just fear. So the people there fear the government. You can feel that. When you talk to somebody... Well, I want to say... It never really came up while I was there, but, you know, it's clear. It's clear that people are... Oh, there's so many homeless people in China. I mean, it's ridiculous. Do you think their system's going to be better than ours in the long run? Are they going to be able to be more successful in the United States? They do control basically everything. Because their government is kind of in business... With the businesses, you know, they kind of have their hands in control so they can fund things they, they way can, faster. They can do something. I think things. they understand that they don't need to own everything to control everything. How so? Because they already control everything. But they, they haven't started wars with Russia or America. It's one of those things where... It's like economic. It, okay. they Even if they were to win against us, they know that... As America, we will say, fuck it, and bomb a motherfucker. Because that's, that's American. Uh, Americans say, Americans shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> but basically, they can still control the world through economic powers uh, without Yeah, without like, like I said, they don't need to threat. own everything to control everything. Because they basically already control everything. At least 95%. Hmm. At least 95% of all products. Everything's made in China. Do they work harder over there, too? Like, all the, all the kids just study all day, and they, like, they play violin at night, and they just, like, do a bunch of... Like, I feel like they are just... Not not all of them, but it, it's, it's a competition. If you ain't amazing, you're like the on pain. the street. When your pa- when the parents were having you teach them, do they really care? Like, hey, man, my kid... No, like, Okay, like Learn English real fast. Like, I'll even put it this way: um, having a better English accent is like a competition in China. The better accent you have in English, the more far you'll go. And they all really care about that. Yeah. See, I I wasn't a main school. I was a secondary school where the main focus was making sure they had a really good accent. That's why they wanted an American to do the teaching. Oh, that's cool. So how did you grow as a person through all of this? Like, what was, um, now you're back home and... It was like, it was the first time in, since I, I was like, in ninth or 10th grade where I wasn't drunk or high. I, I, my personality kind of over time just became the stoner. We, we, we smoke weed every day, party life, you know? And it just kind of became a who I was. Yeah. And then I went to China. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking for like nine months, basically. So I had to kind of like 
figure out who I was when I was there. It forced me to think who about who I wanted to be and who, and who I am. So while you're sobered in life, up, in life. So while you're sobered up over there, forced to think about who you are and what you want to yeah, be. Yeah, for like the first time since like sixth grade. So know? what? What are you? What was your conclusion? Who are you? What is your purpose? What? Was that what was the conclusion that you came to? Um, I want to help in any way I can, but to do that, I need lots of money. <laughs> to get rich, then. Yeah. Gotta get rich to help. So, this is the kind of question I like to ask. What are you most passionate about? I know it's uh, hip-hop sometimes, it's stand-up sometimes. What are you the most <laughs> passionate about in life? Making a stamp on the world. Okay. I don't want to be forgotten. So you want to be remembered? You want to be yeah. Infamous? I guess you could say that, yeah. You know, like, no one wants to die without having even, like, a mini stamp on the world. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it, even if it's just having kids and grandkids, at least they will remember you, you know? Yeah. Got a stamp. No one wants to be that single guy that never did anything with his life, just living in some shitty-ass gutter dying all alone you know yeah so do you want to um make a positive stamp on the world or just yeah, a stamp yeah of course a positive stamp but you know sh- shit happens sometimes uh and so what sometimes you-, you gotta be ugly to make good things happen later on ugly ugly you know just moving in certain ways that mm-hmm. aren't I always liked, you know, could be frowned upon. Like, alright, let me put it this way. Uh, I, half of the rappers that are making music now were plugging to make their money mm-hmm. so that they could go in the studio and make their music that blew them up. Yeah. Some of them were crack dealers. Some of them were coke dealers. Some of them were weed dealers. But it helped them get enough money to get started. So... Essentially, you want to make a positive impact you know, overall, but the means to get there might not always be the best, the most yeah. ethical, but that doesn't matter. Correct. Yeah, I agree, man. Sometimes like sometimes my, you got to be ugly. Like when it comes to my gym, I think I just need to make a lot of money and then it'll happen for sure. Yeah. And I'm really open to any way of getting there. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. I can start a second company and then sell it or do... Whatever it takes, work two or three jobs, whatever it needs, whatever I need to do to get to that, I feel like will be worth it if I can make a positive influence on the world once it's done. No, I agree. I agree. I, I try to live my life in a way, by the time I'm done, I'm going to help out at least a little bit. What about rapping versus stand-up? These are two avenues you've talked about pursuing how are you feeling on each of them right now in this moment? And how? what is your um, history with these two hobbies? Well, um, I just have a certain flow for both of them. I've always loved music. I even, way back in the day, like, you know, I, I always wanted to just say fucking go to American Idol. But, you know, things happened beforehand. Got me distracted. Mm-hmm. You know. So you wanted to be a singer when you were a kid? Yeah. But then, you know... I got into other things, you know, from military school, this, that, that, this. Just got distracted. And, and then I, I started eventually getting into rap music. 
and I started freestyling way back in the day just because one time I was getting high with some homies that they were like, let's freestyle. And I was like, fuck it. And then we just started doing it a lot. And a lot of times when you're smoking with homies in high school, you just randomly end up freestyling. Um, and eventually one of my homies were like, maybe you should like record sometime. And I forgot about that for a while. And then I tried to do it a little bit when I was like, 1920, but I didn't have any good equipment. I didn't delete all those videos. And then I just started freestyling and, um, and saying, I, I, and then eventually I was like, I freestyle so much. Why not, why, why not just click record on my phone? And then I started recording freestyles. And I'm, I ain't gonna lie, like 80% of them are trash, but the 20% that are good, I'm slowly turning into songs, adding to them adding backgrounds to them, and I'm going to get beats for them. But I'm slowly going through the sea and finding the few gems that are in there, you know? Yeah, so... Most of it's trash. I ain't even going to lie. Most of it's trash and shit. <laughs> but, but the ones that are good are just beautiful. So from my perspective, it looks like you've been... Just putting a beat on some speakers, taking your phone out, recording a, basically and, like a TikTok, oh, like 30 minute. Can, can I tell you something real quick though? Um, half or mostly the main reason I post so much on there is because I got not much space on my phone. So if I post them and delete on my phone, it's kind of just like I'm keeping it yeah, on my yeah. phone, but not on my phone. Uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep deleting shit to make shit. Uh well, that's good. I mean, that the style of that platform is to just like overproduce content and just keep it rolling all the time because they might show it to different people each time you post it. No, yeah, and you post stuff all the time. But so wait, you, I didn't finish my thought, which was from my perspective, you've been posting like on average like three freestyles a day for like two or three for like years. yeah for like the first two years I was posting like I started just doing like one a day and then. Also, back back in the day when I started, you were only allowed to post what, ten second, fifteen second video max, and then eventually they allowed one minute. Now they allow ten. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, I would say that like for someone who wants to try to rap, comparatively, this is success. Like you are. Building the habit up of posting and recording yourself rapping every day. You're yeah. even if you're not making like finished songs that are ready to go to Spotify. Like you're getting better, you're getting practice, and you're getting your reps in. And so, like, what advice would you give to someone who wants to just get started? Like, how do you start a habit where I want to code one hour a day? Now all of a sudden, I want to code three hours a day. You know, someone uh, like Jonathan who wants to stream. Whatever you're doing, do it every day for five years, and then after five years, you might be amazing at it. No, but how do you get started? You just keep doing it. (laughs) But like, what mentality do you have to have to go from someone who never posts rap music online to post all the time? Like, Grow balls and say, I don't give a fuck what they say. Okay, so does that... that And just keep practicing. I, d- I didn't start posting freestyles until I was already freestyling for a good four to five years. And even then, at the beginning, I was still trash. <laughs> what's like? What's up with the not giving a fuck mentality? Is that something that well, you can't, is a big part of your life? If you care about what other people think of you, 
then you weren't going to make it in this life to begin with. Okay. If if you're the type of guy that you can get 100 likes and 100 people fucking with your shit, and you're in a really good mood, and then one person hates it, and it completely kills your vibe, you're a pussy. Uh, okay, so my question is, did you did you always not give a fuck, or was there a point in your life where you did give a you care what people thought, and then you changed, and like, what point was that? Um, probably starts with the divorce. Okay. You know, I mean, you guys, you, you know how it was before the divorce. Um, our parents sheltered us to the point where we didn't really know fucking anything. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. All I knew was church, laundry, <laughs> girls that I'm too shy to talk to, you know, and... When the divorce happened, it just opened our eyes to things that, you know, were easily hidden. Because back in the day, internet was still getting started up. You know, I, I, we still had flip phones. If there was a smartphone, we were on the first one. And since then, it's been more easily accessed. Like a six-year-old can go look up anything. Mm-hmm. If they, if they wanted to. Um, but back in the day, we just had to, you know, listen to what they told us. So we when were... Sh- when we were young enough to not travel yet. So yeah. we were sheltered in a way that is impossible today. Like, basically, yeah. you're saying. And what's, and what's so cool about living in my generation, though, if I'll take a step back real quick, is we got to experience both childhood without internet and with internet. Mm-hmm. Because... We, we grew up in, at first in the era where, like, you had to go on the computer, get on the internet, it, it wasn't on your phone. You shared one with the whole family. Yeah, yeah, to seeing all these smartphones and all this shit come out around when I was, it started around when I was in, like, second grade to, like, sixth grade, probably. Yeah. When I, when I was in sixth grade is when people started getting the iPhone 1 generation. Yeah. Seventh grade, maybe. People so I was in fourth grade. It would be like three or four kids in the class would get it, and then oh my god, and then then they came out the iPod, iPod Touch, and then like ten other kids. Would yeah, get I remember touch. when yeah. I was in sixth grade, I was using the iPod that you had, which was like the first iPod ever, like uh-huh. that, that thick ass motherfucking yeah. thing. Yeah, and then I got it. You got one. The thick ass yeah, green iPod. Thick ass green iPod, bro. I got it after him. Those things were, dude. I was obsessed with Steve Jobs at that time, dude, and Apple. I was just like, oh my god, like, because I had a CD player, like, when I was younger, like, I. Had Me too. I remember. Fucking shitty ass CD player. You'd run around it with like. Skip I, I had and, a like, phone connected to the wall by a wire. And then I remember when Jessica Taylor got her first iPod. Oh my gosh! Like, I went over to her house and I downloaded like three hundred of her songs onto mine. Like when I got one, she had already a huge library. Then immediately, I can just hear all of these crazy... I, I discovered Eminem for the first time. I discovered all these bands. I'm just like, what, what the fuck, bro? Especially discovering Eminem. Yeah. As a young white kid discovering Eminem, that's crazy. Remember, remember, You're just like... Remember back in the day on shit. iTunes and how, how you would go on YouTube and download the MP3? Yeah. So you could download those songs onto your mm-hmm. iTunes, aka into your phone for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that we experienced that is just kind of done now is the mixtape era for hip-hop. Yeah, for real. Like, 
people would drop free mixtapes different than albums and you would go download it on datpiff.com and it would be like this crazy cool experience and now like the mixtape is just kind of gone to streaming and streaming mixtapes are not they're just basically albums and it's like there's this whole genre of the mixtape that kind of has gotten lost with the new streaming era you know for sure like Wiz Khalifa Mac Miller like all these little Wayne mixtapes in the early 2000s or even the late 2000s just a whole different fucking vibe bro I agree I miss that shit no yeah but yo one thing I wanted to ask you about is military school we kind of touched on it so like why did you have to go to military school? Tell me the story of that. Um, so, basically, I'll just I'll just start it from mom and dad. Uh, to tell you that story, I got to tell you the other story. Uh, basically, three years after mom and dad got divorced, I found out from a random girl in the middle of my science class that my my dad she and my mom and she said it like like you know that don't you and like you know i was in shock i was just i, I just kind of fucking walked out the room i was just like mm, ain't doing that right now and then i walked home you know i yelled at mom i was like the fuck is this true and she was like talk to your dad i ain't saying shit um so i did I went out to lunch with him, talked to him about it, and he just kind of gave me the and that was three years ago. I'm just like, no one could have told me? Like, it's been three fucking years. <laughs> I don't like finding these things out from a random bitch at school. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just didn't like all the secrets. It's one thing for them to be a problem. Let me know the problem is there so I don't embarrass my fucking self in public. Or or just tell me out of fucking common courtesy. Um, so I just, I wasn't having the family shit. And I was like, Ma, you gotta send me to a boarding school. And she was like, okay, I'll, I'll send you to a military school. I was like, if that's what we have to do, then fuck it. So you uh, asked to be sent to a boarding school? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I didn't want to live in the house. I, okay. I couldn't, couldn't deal with their bullshit. Uh, so neither of them came up with this idea. You kind of no. I I I I told him. I I in that on that day, I was just like, no, I, I I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, okay. I mean, I didn't actually really know. I kind of felt like you were probably they, in college. Yeah, so that's probably why. But I I, kinda, de I demanded it. I kind of felt like. They told you to go to military school. No, I asked to go to a boarding school, and they're like, "If it's a military school." Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so you. Because they're like, "Okay, I I get you want a leave because you can't stand us right now, but we're gonna shape you up and fix you." Meh. Okay. So then. Fix is a broad term when. Okay, I'll get to that later. But so. Uh, <laughs> You've just gone through a divorce. Twelve years old, probably when the divorce happened. So you're probably fifteen. Yeah, I was fifteen. So you're uh, like a freshman in high school. Freshman, yeah. And then so after your freshman year of high school, then you go to sophomore year in the military school. No, so first they had me go to their summer school. So I I I think I failed one of my classes in ninth grade or something. 
and I needed to go to summer school either way. So they were, they were like, all right, let's test this out by going to the summer school. And I do good in all my classes, but uh, there's this one moment in the summer school where, um, well, there's a couple moments, but there's this one moment where this one really big black dude was like, hey, tell that other black dude he's the N-word, but like he was saying, like, say, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna beat your ass. And it was either get my ass beat by this guy or call the smaller one the word who is also still bigger than me, though. I I don't know if you remember, I was all skin and bone back then. Mm-hmm. No muscle. Um, and, and risk getting beat by the other guy. Wh- wh- which one did I want to risk? Um, so I, I called the dude the N-word. Um... Cause that motherfucker is gonna make me knock out. This motherfucker's gonna hurt me. Uh, okay. And so you know, then the other guy and then out. you know he got on my face. Probably hit me once during that lunch, and that was that. Then there, and then later on in the summer school, right, I felt like being goofy, too goofy. I was being white goofy, and uh, the same dude, the same black dude. Like we were cooler at this point. Like you know. But I just felt like slapping his shit out of his hand. Um, and I did. And he, he literally looked at me like, you got three seconds to get the fuck out of my face. And You slapped what out of his hands? All, all his school shit. All, and, all and, of his like, binders? And- yeah, like a little cunt. <laughs> um, he said, like, you got, you got a few seconds to get the fuck out of my face. And I was still laughing. And this boy looked at me like run like <laughs> so i ran and i went to my room and i got ready for him to walk in and you know um and my dumbass roommate oh my gosh so th- this dude walks in right he walks in he he he's 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 squaring up with me and my dumbass roommate thinks it's a fucking joke so his dumbass i don't know what i I didn't fuck with this motherfucker the rest of school after this. He took my hands behind my back while this motherfucker in front of me choked me for like two minutes straight. I, I like almost passed out. Like my roommate did. My roommate was holding my hands behind my back while the dude oh, that was coming after me choked me uh, against the wall. Ah, uh, and then right before I was about to pass out. He let go. The roommate let go, and he said, "Why, why, why are you being stupid?" T- <laughs> and, and he walked away. And uh, that was summer school. Shit just got crazier after that. Um, like I said, I was really skinny back then. I was kind of depressed back then, and um, I ended up getting this this Asian roommate, this roommate from Korea, and I guess his older brother would like hit him all the time in Korea. And his roommate before me got even worse than me. His he used to be that motherfucker with a lock every night. Like 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 a like a metal lock for like a safe or something. Mm-hmm. He used to be the, uh, the last the last roommate with that every night. But but he regardless was was beating me every night. Um you Wait, know so hold on. Your roommate was beating you up every night. Yeah. 
Why? Because, you know, I guess he just felt like he needed to take it out on someone because his older brother took it out on him all the time. So he would start punching you where in the arm, in the face? and I don't really have all those memories, but you bought I, just, I just remember getting hit a lot all the time. In the face? Everywhere, man. Yeah, in the face, in the arm, in the chest. It, did he ever give you a reason for why he's doing this? Uh, I think Loki was trying to toughen me up, but but uh, or he was just a psycho. I it's did it toughen you up? Uh, it, it definitely toughened me up, but I, I I think he just really enjoyed hitting people. Like, are you a better person today because you got hit or not? I'm. I give a fuck less, definitely because of that. It, that's one of the main things that make me not give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I got a different roommate. And this roommate was emo as fuck. Um, cutting himself all over the place. And I was in a dark place at the time. And because of it, I, you know, I tried it. And, you know, it helped release pain. You know, just release tension. Uh, yes, it helped at the time, but, but, uh, I definitely regret it, uh, like a motherfucker. And after a month of doing that, I, I even stopped while I was there and I tried to get him to stop because this, okay, this, I did it once or twice. Okay. This motherfucker was so bad. You could not see the skin on his legs. There were so many cuts. And he was cutting on his legs so that no one at the school would know. Because if they saw, they would kick him out. Like, at both legs. But all I could see was red right here. All, all up and down. Red, 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 red. The whole whole thing. And oh my I started having God. to hit him like my last roommate hit me. So that he wouldn't cut himself. Uh, and I found myself in a weird, weird position when that happened. You know, because like... At that point, I've been toughing up a little bit, and I was also like, bro, like, that's not, I, I can't see your skin. Like, that's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. so I started hitting him so he wouldn't cut himself. So, like, when you say you tried it because he tried it, is it kind of like, was he... Pretty- well, you know, I was in a part where I was just like, dude, I just... <laughs> I, I was a very dark kid. Um, no bullshit. I used to dream that, like, everyone in my family would die just randomly one day so that I could just live, like, some movie life or some shit. Some outsiders type shit. Like, um, I don't know. Home Alone type shit? No, outsiders. The, those kids that were, like, living on their own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The book. Because I was just like, I was sick of it. So, but my question was... So sick of it, I asked to go to a military school. When this guy is, like, cutting himself in the room, is it being, like, presented to you kind of like weed? Where someone's like, yo, you should try to do this. It's, I feel better when I do this. Or is it like... Well, is, is it like, are you It tempted? was one of those things where his pain was so strong that he kept trying to cut. But every time he cut, it wasn't enough. It's kind of like a... So, it doesn't look... Like, like a heroin addict. I guess my point is, like, it doesn't look like a good scene, so why are you tempted to even try? Like, what about him? Like, without him, would you have tried to do this? 
Would he influence you, or would you have just done it anyways, you think? There's probably a 5 to 10% chance I might have still done it if I stayed depressed for super long. But, uh... So it fixed depression? But it was just the wrong thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, military school is crazy. Like, you got in trouble if your, your face wasn't shaved exactly correctly. Like... I, I I got in trouble for the dumbest shit. Um, I was on ED like every single day. ED is basically when everyone else is doing sports, you're doing that, but like times 10 of a workout. I, I, they'd have me lifting tires, going down a field back and forth for two hours straight. One time they said, hey, every time you run a mile, that's one ED off your thing. I said, fuck it. I, I ran 30 in like like four or five hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Damn. That's, like a, that's a marathon if you did it. Nah, yeah. I'll, I'll say, yeah. 26 is a marathon. No, yeah, man. And then then my last roommate was this black dude. Like, he, he was... He just didn't not know how to pick up after himself. That's coming from me. Mm-hmm. I'm dirty as shit. And I don't know, man. Just everything always over the place. Um, at this point, I've been toughening up. I, I, I've gone through this cutting phase, and I, this is at the point where I started not giving a fuck until this one dude showed up to the school, and this dude, well, tried to disrespect me. And after that bullshit roommate beating me every day, I was not taking shit at this school. I was like, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> and he said some shit to me, and I just immediately. Backhand his hat straight off his face. And and then he turns around and punched me right in the jaw. And I was about to hit him. And the second I hit him, I see all the sergeants turn around. So if I hit him, I'm, I'm in trouble. So I just look at him with a smile while blood just rushes down my face. And I said, wait for it. <laughs> and then we start marching. Uh, I, I didn't even feel it, bro. I I knew there was blood going on my face, but it, it did not hurt. Damn. Uh, that's probably when I started not giving a fuck. So, if you had kids and they were having issues, would you send them to military school? Is this something that you're like, it was a good experience, I had problems, they helped me work them out, or are you like, no, this was... Way more traumatizing than it needed to be. Hundred uh, percent. I mean, so I would be a better. No offense to our parents, but if they raised a little writer, it wouldn't have needed to happen. Yeah, I, I plan to raise my kids right. Um, like, okay, parents a lot of times will hide things because they think it's better to hide them for their kids. Ninety percent of the time, they're wrong. Uh. 10% of the time, okay, I get it. Um, but 90% of the time, you let them know it's all open, you know, it's right there. There's no, I gotta figure shit out for the next 20 years and keep finding new secrets that are fucking hidden. Let them know. They'll eventually get over it if they know fucking everything. Ah. Uh. Mm. So be honest with your kids. Yeah, and just, just be fucking honest. Raise them like. Have some common courtesy. With, as more equals or like just like respect them 
and not to yeah. tell them what's going on. At the end of the day, it fucking happens. More than likely, they wouldn't need to go to military school, you think? Yeah. But if you did have a kid that did be a problem and you try to raise him right, is this something you would ever think is a, could help or no? It just... Like, half... Okay, let me put it this way. Half the time, we did not learn our lessons because our parents did not believe in, like, hitting your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably would have only taken twice for us to learn our lesson if they did give us a being when we needed it. Mm-hmm. Keyword, needed it. A lot of people out there, I agree, will say that pe- people's parents beat them too much because you can't beat them too much. Mm-hmm. Only when it's needed, you know? I just want to make that fine line right there and so, so no one comes at me. Ugh. And so military school made you learn your lessons for real. Oh, yeah, that shit was crazy. I, I, I've I, never even talked about how crazy the fucking teachers were. This one dude, this one teacher of mine, he taught uh, earth science, right? His wife had been in a mental hospital for 20 years at that point. And, like, he still went and visited her, like, all the time. Talked to his students about it all the time. Like, like, bitch just went crazy. Uh... And so, that affected his teaching. Like, too? like she's, he's still married to her. Like, damn. It, it, was, it was a little crazy. The, and there was this other teacher of mine who, you know, the movie The Eighteen. Mm-hmm. He used to be in a special ops group just like that, and he would tell stories sometimes. Shit was wild. My English teacher was this black dude, just as big as The Rock. Damn. And if anyone was late, he'd make the whole class do 100 push-ups. Damn. Or or if you were the one that was late, they'd make the rest of the he'd make the rest of the class do push-ups except for you. So they'd all be mad at you. Uh, I'm t- <laughs> that's terrible, dude. <laughs> but that's how you really fuck with somebody. He was my favorite teacher, no no cap. With his aggressive ass. So, like, leaving military school, what kind of person, how has it changed you? What is your outlook on life different than going into it? What kind of person are you leaving that? Um, well, military school definitely toughened me up, helped me learn a couple of things. Because, like I said, I was sheltered like a motherfucker before the divorce. Mm-hmm. And military school, I mean, teachers were telling me things all about the world that I didn't even thought about before because, you know, they were in the military and they've seen shit. Ninety <laughs> percent of the shit they weren't even allowed to like speak to their students about. Uh, Damn. Like especially that one teacher, special ops. Like those are some blacked out missions mm-hmm. that no one has, you know, the papers for. Uh, <laughs> didn't happen type missions. Uh, I don't know. It was a bit wild to hear some of those teachers' opinions when they weren't teaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Bit wild. I feel like you told me once that you've experienced more life than me, even though I'm older than you. I feel like the... Yeah, chi- I, I'm China. on my, like, ninth life. I I went from the stupid white kid that just... You know, just has... <laughs> To two parents. I don't know. This dude, white kid, that didn't really think about anything. I, I, I hadn't even worked. 
heard the word like slave since until like ninth grade, eighth, seventh grade. That's how sheltered we were back then. I I, I didn't even know about that shit. That's how that's how much your parents could shelter you back then. Yeah, I didn't know there was discrimination at all. That that's how excluded and white we were and rich, wealthy we, our family was. And then it all just came in at the same time because, you know, second divorce happened, we started looking around, started actually trying to pay attention, realizing our parents were bullshit. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when you're a kid, you um, you see your parent as this all-knowing, like she knows what's going to happen, she knows what I'm supposed to do type of mentality. And when a divorce happens, when you're in sixth grade, you go... These motherfuckers don't know shit as much as I do half the time. I remember this one time, Dad picked up Jonathan, right? And he was acting like a fucking child. like. And I was, like, in eighth grade. I was like, are you good? Like, <laughs> you know, like, very childish. But, um, no, yeah. I went from that white kid to... To military school to come back in my first girlfriend smoking weed for the first time drinking for the first time then today that crazy bitch Millie we'll get into that eventually um to the plug the middleman on the block for no fucking reason. I, I think back then I just think it was, I thought it was fun. And then eventually, you know, shit hit my face when it got real. Bank fraud, all that. And, you know, just believe in the wrong person. <laughs> uh, to going to fucking China. To coming back and now. Working at a bar.